All right. So, <laughs> yeah, I like this one. It's kind of ominous, though, especially with the title there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I listened to uh, Dr. Andy Woods on this after I developed my whole presentation, and he titled his. Uh, I think it was six visions of hope. And oh. I titled mine, the angels of doom. <laughs> so we're obviously looking at this from a little different perspective, but uh, this is the angel of doom on the kingdom of darkness. And that's our overall topic for uh, right now. So yes, it is angels of doom for Babylon, but it is visions of hope uh, for believers uh, at that time. So this is, uh, this is good judgment. <laughs> All right, so there's going to be three different angels, um, and this again, I think, is some evidence that points towards the martyrdom of the 144,000 because their ministry on the earth is likely going to be the dissemination of the gospel. And now we have angels preaching the gospel from uh, from the atmosphere. So it says, "And I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth." and to every nation and tribe, tongue, and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth and sea and springs of water. Now, uh, this eternal gospel, its content is clearly spelled out here. We're supposed to, or they are supposed to fear God. Now, this isn't necessarily fear in the sense of uh, horror and terror but fear in the sense of respect and turning their, uh, turning their eyes away from the king of this earth, the Antichrist, and turning it towards God, recognizing that all the, uh, the judgments that are happening around the world are the result of God's judgment. Um, and we see that because it says, because the hour of his judgment has come. Um, but the result of that fear should be uh, to give him glory and to worship him. Um, so they are supposed to um, turn their um, turn their worship towards God rather than worshiping the beast and his image. They are to worship God. Um, and then he gives God's qualification for this worship. He says he is the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and springs of water. All right. So this is very similar to Revelation 8, 13, but it is not the same. Similarity does not uh, make things the same. In Revelation 8, we saw, uh, or we read, I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. Now, these woes uh, are a warning from angels, but they are not the eternal gospel uh, from angels. The eternal gospel is a special ministry of this angel um, who comes after the midpoint of the tribulation not before it. <clears throat> Here's a little graphic of what the midheaven is. Uh, there is, uh, let's see, first, second, and third heaven. First heaven is the atmosphere. Second heaven is outer space. Third heaven uh, refers to the throne room of God. This midheaven uh, is either outer space itself or the area of the atmosphere between our breathable atmosphere and outer space. Um, it kind of depends how it's used, um, but here it seems to indicate that it's at least um, near our atmosphere, near enough that its message is disseminated over the whole earth, uh, but that it's able to be heard as well. 
<clears throat> All right, the second woe, uh, this uh, has some similar uh, qualities to it. The result is terror and glory. Uh, it says in that hour, there was a great earthquake and a 10th of the city fell. Now that's speaking of Jerusalem. 7,000 people were killed in Jerusalem in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Uh, this, again, we're looking backwards a bit just prior to the midpoint of the tribulation, uh, where we see a portion of this national conversion taking place, where in heaven, some died, uh, a tenth of the city fell, 7,000 died in Jerusalem, but the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. If you remember back in chapter 6, when uh, God is raining judgment on the entire earth, that people are crying out to the stones to fall on them and kill them rather than give glory to God. But there is a different reaction in Israel. Israel gives glory to the God of heaven when they see these judgments coming. So we do see a national conversion and we do see a great multitude converted out of the Gentiles um, and the Jews during the time of the tribulation. But the primary focus is God turning his eyes back to Israel, whereas right now uh, the church is mainly uh, Gentiles. During the tribulation, it would be mainly a ministry to Jews. All right, this message, uh, this gospel is also very similar to what the Holy Spirit does in the unbelieving world today. So today we have the Holy Spirit convicting the unbelievers of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is what this eternal gospel is going to be preached from, um, from this angel. Now that is yet another indication that the Holy Spirit having been um, uh, removed, remember in Second Thessalonians 2, I think it's 6, 2, 6, and 7, it says that he who now restrains will be taken out of the way. Uh, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that will be taken out of the way during the tribulation and during the, uh, and as resulting from the rapture of the church, because the church um, is uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit when they are removed from this earth. The Holy Spirit's current ministry to the church and to the world is removed. Though he's omnipresent and will still be on the earth, his ministry has changed. Just like Christ, before, his, uh, before he um, was crucified, came as a prophet. Right now he serves as a priest, and he will serve as king during the Messianic kingdom. Uh, so we have the Holy Spirit uh, working in different ways throughout history. So during the tribulation period, he is not there to, uh, to uh, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Um, the angel uh, with the eternal gospel will do that. So in John 16, 7 through 8, uh, Jesus says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So the Holy Spirit convicts the unbelieving world, essentially here, 
of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is what motivates the unbeliever to hear and receive the gospel. Um, this angel will be working in a very similar fashion during the last half of the tribulation period. So here, this is the Holy Spirit's message to this world. Um, I just wanted to quickly uh, let you all know that I have a book coming out at the end of this year. Um, it's not a long book. It's meant to be read in one sitting, but it deals with the Holy Spirit's work during this um, dispensation. So nice. I'll let you guys know about that as that progresses. All right. Uh, second angel. So the first angel, his mission is to preach to the unbelievers who have not received the mark, uh, but have also not yet received Christ. Uh, this second angel, his audience is different. It says, and another angel, a second one followed, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. So remember, the Holy Spirit today convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. A second angel is coming and telling the, or announcing to the world this final judgment of the Antichrist kingdom. But this uh, Antichrist kingdom of Babylon actually extends way further back into the Old Testament. First time we see Babylon, especially Babylon Great, is in Daniel, but this... Uh, Babylon system goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. In Daniel 4.30, we read, the king reflected and said, is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence uh, by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the world was in the king's mouth, or the word was in the king's mouth, a voice <laughs> came from the heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. Uh, so Babylon was a real kingdom in the Old Testament with a physical location uh, in the uh, Shinar Valley that is between the rivers of the Euphrates and Tigris rivers, uh, modern-day Iraq. Uh, this, I believe, will be the location of the Antichrist's kingdom, at least the center of his kingdom. Uh, his fingers will stretch out through the entire earth. Uh, but his headquarters will be in Babylon. Uh, we're going to talk about that a lot in chapter 17 and 18, because that's basically what 17 and 18 is about, the religious and economic system of Babylon. Uh, but we see in Revelation 16, 19, that Babylon is uh, destroyed um, at the end of the tribulation period. It says the great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her a cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. Now, why does it say that Babylon was remembered before God? Because judgment was promised to Babylon. Actually, judgment on Babylon was promised to Israel um, around the time of her exile. So here's from Jeremiah. He says, Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord intoxicating all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine, therefore the nations are going mad. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken, wail over her, bring balm for her pain, perhaps she may be healed. 
We applied healing to Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her and let us each go to his own country, for her judgment has reached to heaven and the towers uh, up to the very skies. The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come and let us recount in Zion the work of the Lord our God. So this is a proleptic passage looking forward to this final destruction that we're seeing in real time in Revelation 16, 17, and 18. But the announcement comes here in chapter 14 that Babylon, uh, this Babylon system that has been corrupting the earth through uh, false religion and false spirituality uh, and ultimately culminates in a one world government system that uh, takes the place of God on this earth. Um, it will be ultimately destroyed. All right. So that is the message of the second angel that Babylon will be destroyed. The third angel um, is going to warn those who align themselves with Babylon that they will share in fate uh, of Babylon. So the third angel says then, or the third angel, then another angel, a third one followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. We have here two different options, and they all regard this mark and its consequences. Um, there are some economic consequences, and then there are some eternal consequences. For those who refuse the mark, the economic consequences are spelled out for us in Revelation 13. It says that he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, this brought to my mind a statement of Christ to his disciples back in Matthew 16, uh, where he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So the uh, Antichrist is promising temporal, physical, and economic blessing or uh, preservation in his kingdom if you go along with what he is telling you you must do. Uh, you could say he has issued a mandate for the mark of the beast, and if you do not comply, you can no longer buy or sell. Uh, you will be hunted down and killed because receiving the mark is worshiping the beast uh, receiving that mark is an act of worship, is an act of recognition that the Antichrist is God himself. Uh, refusal of that is a denial of Satan as God. So the results are not only economic, but physical death. Now, Jesus Christ is saying a very similar thing to his disciples. Now, they are looking uh, the judgment of Israel in AD 70 right in the face where a lot of them will lose their lives, but rather than it being by the hand of God in judgment, uh, if they uh, deny Christ and they 
they follow the Pharisees into the judgment on Israel in AD 70 to be judged by God. Uh, so although they might lose their life at the hand of the Pharisees, they will not lose their life at the hand of God and their soul itself will be protected of a very similar principle. So during this time of tribulation, you can say we are looking for disciples. But there are also economic consequences for those who receive the mark. So for those who refuse it, economic consequences are basically that they can no longer participate in the economy. But for those who receive it, uh, we see that they will get rich. So Revelation 18.3 says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. So these who are part of the beast system, part of Babylon, uh, will be rich by Babylon. They are promised and delivered um, economic benefits um, having participated in this kingdom. Uh, but for those who refuse it, physical death is uh, nearly certain. However, the eternal consequences uh, far outweigh the economic consequences. Revelation 20, 14 through 15, we read, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Did I accidentally crop it out? All right, earlier in chapter 20, it says that those who uh, received the mark and worshiped the beast, in fact, let me pull it up, because uh, that is worth quoting, right? All right, my, my app's not opening. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a second. All right. But uh, so for the for those who receive the mark, uh, they share in the consequences of Babel that when or uh, Babylon, when Babylon is destroyed, thrown into the uh, lake of fire with the uh, Antichrist and of the beast. Um, so will they be thrown into the same lake of fire at the end of the millennial kingdom in the uh, second resurrection, the second death. Uh, all right. My app is opened here. All right, Revelation chapter 20. Find you here. All right, and so chapter 20, verse 4, then I saw thrones and they sat on them. Judgment was given to them and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. They became or they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So this... Uh, reigning with Christ and being a part of the first resurrection uh, because you have refused the mark of the beast and refused to worship the Antichrist as God or as the Messiah uh, far outweighs the consequences economically and even for your life, uh, your physical life during the tribulation period. So here are the last, uh, last three verses we're going to look at tonight. 
the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. That is uh, what this second angel or this third angel is saying about those who share in the uh, fate of Babylon will share um, in every portion of the fate of Babylon. Here in the perseverance, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. So again, I think this whole section is looking at martyrdom and probably be, like honestly, chapter 14 is one that's difficult for me. And I think it's difficult for anyone in the church age because not a lot of it applies to us. But I think this will be a passage of particular comfort to those who are actually in the tribulation period because they will read this as they are being hunted down and killed uh, by the... Uh, by the Antichrist system, and they will read these words of the Lord saying, right on, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, now on, and the Spirit agrees with the Lord and says, yes, so that they may rest from their labor, for their deeds follow with them. Uh, that is just pure comfort for those who actually have to face this sort of martyrdom in the last days. And this is consistent then uh, with the end of Revelation, Revelation 20, uh, verse six says, blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So that is uh, what we look forward to will be part of this first resurrection. Uh, and so will they, but uh, in a different stage of that resurrection. All right, so a little summary here. Uh, the context of these verses shows that martyrdom is clearly in view in chapter 14. It appears that the hunting down of the 144,000, uh, their service has now come to a close, uh, which has resulted in the need for angels to announce the gospel from the sky. Three angels give this fi these final messages. Uh, salvation is still available to those who turn to God. The end of the kingdom of the Antichrist is upon them. And those who align with him, the Antichrist, will also die with him. Uh, and then these, this is a bird's eye view of the final three and a half years. So this gives us kind of a big picture. And then chapter 15, 16, 17, 18, we're going to uh, look at this big picture in smaller pieces. All right. So that's all I have for you tonight. Next week, great divine wrath.